Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey, and welcome to the Pantry Chat. This is Carolyn, and it's not Josh, so the whole uh the whole like intro is messed up usually it's hey this is josh and carolyn with homesteading family but today it's carolyn and melissa in the pantry chat so (laughs) melissa (laughs) thanks for joining me today yeah i'm super excited to be here and i'm like you can't see the way my camera is but like i have here's here is my pantry i am actually sitting next to my pantry so it is a pantry chat we are. We are all in the pantry, which is kind of a joke now because our pantry chat moves all over the homestead. It's just that it's like there's three feet of snow out on the homestead right now. So, you know, it's in the pantry for real. <laughs> yes. You guys have a little bit. You have actually quite a bit more than us. At one point we had three feet, but thank the good Lord, it has started to melt. And I'm down to just a couple of inches in the shady spots. I could actually see a little bit of green grass. So oh. sorry, I'm a little giddy about that. That is really exciting. I I share that feeling when we get there. So um, for those of you guys who don't know, Melissa and I are actually best friends in real life. So we're really excited to get to be here. It's really fun to get to hang out actually online too. Yeah. A fun thing. So that's really neat. But this week, Josh is traveling. And so I nudged Melissa and said, hey, why don't you uh, come on and chat gardens with me? So today we are going to be talking about um, late winter gardening projects on the homestead, what we're doing right now when it comes to gardening things. Uh, And, you know, being that we're talking about our garden being under feet of snow, you might think that means there's nothing to do in the garden, but actually... The gardening season really starts right here. So we're going to be talking about that in just a minute. For those of you guys who are new to the pantry chat, um, we usually start with some chit chat and we get to visit for a little bit first. So we're going to do that. But if you want to jump ahead to the main topic, it's all time stamped for you. So just look below and you can move ahead to the main topic. So Melissa, what have you been up to this week on the homestead? Goodness. Well, this week on the homestead, the reason I'm wearing my air traffic control, I'm like, yes, very homesteader of me, is <laughs> um, we are having a new roof put on our house. So our house is 16 years old, and we had three feet of snow that then turned to rain. And we've got a composite roof, and so it doesn't slide off. Uh, So my husband and I were shoveling three foot of wet snow in the rain off the roof. So it didn't collapse. Um, And as we were doing that, we knew we would need to put a new roof on anyways. If we had, when we put the manufactured home in, we knew if we still had it this far down the road that we would put a metal roof on it. And as we were shoveling off said wet snow, we quickly realized that that time was now. So thankfully we have a a local friend. Uh, Actually, we go to the same church and he has a construction place and is able to get the roof on for us. So they are starting that right now. 
which makes it noisy, but it's <laughs> exciting because I don't want to be shoveling off that much snow on the roof again if I can uh, not have to. I have enough to do with shoveling off of the high tunnel and the different little garden sheds. And so then you add the house roof to it. It's a little much. So that is going on uh, right now. Um, and so it's very, it's very exciting. I actually, it's like when people are working, like, I'm like, I don't want them to feel like I'm checking up on them, but I'm so excited to see like how it's going that I want to like peek out the door and just see how much progress is being made. So they've been, they've been very nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> humored you, huh? <laughs> yes, they've humored me. <laughs> That's good. That's good. How about you? Yeah, let's see. I feel like we're hitting a bit of that midwinter slump on the homestead. The fresh stuff is gone. Like, <laughs> and I want greens. I want something alive. And so I'm really breaking into the sauerkraut. Sauerkraut helps a lot when I get that way and like, I really want something fresh and alive. But I mean, there's literally feet of snow over everything in my garden. So there's nothing growing. There's like even if we had, um, you know, like cold frames, mm -hmm. they would still be completely buried in snow. It'd be too hard to get to them. So, um, so I've been starting sprouts like crazy. <laughs> I actually just got this new thing. I started it for the first time today and I'm so excited about this. I'm going to have to keep you guys up to date as to if this actually works as well as I'm hoping that it'll work, but it's a sprouting machine. Have you ever seen one of those? Like no. it plugs into the wall and you put the water in the bottom and it has this thing that's like almost a little sprinkler and it's all enclosed and you put your seeds in there oh. and it waters it like every hour or two. So it oh. keeps it fresh and rinsed and growing. And I'm, I'm really excited about this because for our family to do enough sprouts to do anything, um, it's like multiple half gallon jars. And okay the amount of time it takes to rinse and drain half gallon jars of sprouts multiple times a day, it just, I, I get really frustrated with it. And I end up kind of going, you know what? Lettuce from the grocery store is not that bad and going and getting myself some of that. And I just, I keep wanting to find these solutions that are a little bit fresher, a little closer to home. Um, and so this is, this is my next step on that, that, and I have, dragged my green stock vertical planter inside and I'm letting it all thaw out because <laughs> it is frozen. <laughs> frozen yeah. <laughs> and um, I ended up getting some seeds. I've never really done a lot of seeds from Haas tools before, but I ended up getting some of their lettuce varieties that were specifically for indoor container growing. Mm. And so I'm really excited to get some of those started and see if I can, you know, grow a good amount of salad inside without additional lighting is the big thing. And I think the greens might work because greens are kind of low level light anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, they're right by a big glass door. But this time of year, I mean, they could be outside. You're just not getting a lot of light. There's no sunlight out there to be had. No. Um, so anyways, we have them. It's on the caster so I can spin it and rotate it every day. So I'm going to try that and just see what I can get away with on that side. So anyways, well, that's, that's going to be fun. I'm excited <laughs> to see see what happens. You know, we must have been thinking a little bit of the same lines because I actually on Sunday after church winter sewed some lettuce. I'm like, I'm just going to see what happens. I just filled the container and I did put it in our high tunnel because that offers a little bit of additional warmth, not a ton, but I I did. I winter sowed lettuce and then I did some broccoli, 
cauliflower and kale because those are all those cool weather varieties. And I'm like, I'm just going to see what happens. You know, I don't know if they're going to germinate, if it's quite warm enough, but they do like the cooler temps and with the high tunnel giving a little bit of extra heat. I'm like, let's just see what happens. So I, I think all of us are starting to feel that. <laughs> um, yeah, you want the green. And, and there's a little bit of me that it's so cold outside. It's not like I can go barefoot or really get, I mean, everything's frozen still, <laughs> but I, my fingers are like itching for soil and to just feel, feel the dirt. So yeah, I'm oh, with you. Good. See, I feel that way too. And I don't know if it's because I need a little like electrical grounding because I'm always in my, my winter boots. Like <laughs> that's about yeah. as far away from barefoot as you can get. But yeah, you kind of want to just like connect to the earth somehow. Um, it just feels healthy. And, uh, and so anyways, it's coming. I know it's coming. The sun will come out and the snow will all melt, but you know, we have to kind of get through it. And, uh, yeah. So, okay. So moving on, let, oh, you were talking about winter sowing. I had a friend here even tell me that every year she just throws some seeds down right about November into a cold frame that she has. And she just lets it sit. And it's the first thing that she's harvesting in the spring. And so, I, you know, I've never tried that because at least with lettuces, because mm -hmm. it's all going to sit under the snow. Um, but I do know my perennials pop up really, really early. And so it kind of got me thinking about what if I could put a cold frame over some of my good King Henry or my sorrel or a few things like that just to get the jump on the season with them. Yeah. Kind of fun way to get greens earlier. I would give it a go. I think I've done winter sowing. I know there's some people, even as far north as we are, that will winter sow everything. Mm -hmm. And we depend upon our crops so much that I'm, whenever I'm trying something new, I never put all my eggs in one basket or all my seeds in one basket. So I did try different methods of, or I should say different seeds with the winter sowing. And for me, by the time the tomatoes and the peppers germinated using the winter sowing method, it was too late. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, they weren't like, I would plant the seeds that I had started indoors and transplant out usually about Mother's Day to Memorial Weekend, just depending on the weather for the year and when the actual last frost is, what temps are like. And I was putting out, you know, plants that were this high in the high tunnel and the seeds were just beginning to sprout on the warm weather crops. And so that is it's just too late. They're going to just start to come to fruition and we're going to get hit by frost if I wait that long. But it worked really well for the cool weather crops. So like you're saying, and like your friend does for the cool weather crops, it works great. And so I've actually almost every spring now, I think I tested that like three or four years ago at this point. But since then, I've used the winter sowing to at least do one round of the cool weather crops. And it does work really well for them. I've heard some people say, oh, it, I live far north and it works great for all my warm crops. It didn't for me, but um, I always like to test things. So it's, anyways. it's worth playing with. So if anyways. you have a moment and you're, you know, you can see your ground, try sticking a few seeds in it and just see what happens because they may get going before, you know, anything that you could sow in the spring would, and they may give you early crops. So it's kind of a fun thing to play with it. You know, I really feel like some of these things are a gamble, but when you're mm -hmm. gambling with a four or $5 packet of seeds, you can gamble, you can afford to do a little <laughs> bit of gambling. So go for it because some of the times you're going to win 
And so those are, those are good odds. That's not like going to the casino type of gambling where your odds are really bad. This is like maybe one in every three years, you may really hit the jackpot and get really early, you know, flush of greens and boy, that feels good. And for a couple of dollars of seeds, it's really worth it. So try throwing them out there and try see, seeing what you get. Okay. We're going to move on to the question of the date. Now, Melissa, I'm going to kind of throw you into the middle of this because I'm going to jump you right into the middle of a conversation we've been having here in the pantry chat. Okay. And um, somebody here, Mrs. Jennings, uh, music class on garden, the garden planning video we did a couple of weeks ago has a question. Question, are all homesteaders preppers, but not all preppers are homesteaders? So a couple of weeks ago, Josh and I got to talking about the difference between homesteading and prepping. And so this is somebody's uh, maybe takeaway from what we were talking about. And I think that this is a really, really good way to sum it up personally. I, I think this is a really good way to say it. I think, well, I don't even know. Are all homesteaders preppers? Most homesteaders are preppers. Most homesteaders in some way or another are prepping. They've got some food stored. They probably have some seed stored. Maybe they even have more systems in place than that. But definitely, in my opinion, not all preppers are homesteaders. I agree. And I think this is so funny. I literally was having this conversation on the difference between homesteaders and preppers. I kid you not, an hour ago on a phone conversation. So it's like so funny. I did not know what the question was going to be. I was trying not to laugh when you started reading it because you wouldn't know why I was laughing. (laughs) Um, But for me, I do agree that all homesteaders have a level of preparedness, but all preppers are not homesteaders. And I think for me, at least in my experience with how I homestead and the people that I have relationships with at homestead, of course, you can never talk for an entire community at large. There's always outliers. I think that it's a a mindset where homesteaders are looking to be self-sufficient and prepared for the here and now and the future. But they're really looking to live um, as healthy as possible Um, And to produce as much of their own stuff as they can for a good life right now. And then also setting themselves up to continue that self-sufficiency journey throughout here until whenever all of us each will have our day where we pass away. Where I feel like a prepper is more concerned about, and I shouldn't say more concerned, they're very focused on being prepared for when whatever may hits the fan or the apocalypse or something like that, rather than living just healthy and as self-sufficient as possible in the here and now, I just feel like there's a little bit different of a focus where I feel like, I don't know about you, but like I'm looking at refilling my pantry every year with foods that we're growing and able to produce here or that I can buy locally. Perhaps it's not something that I'm I'm producing yet, but I can get from another local farmer, but a really local footprint. And then I'm looking at replacing that every year because we're using it up. I don't really care about having a 20 year food storage in the back. That's not my concern, but I will be able to feed my family from our food storage for months on end. And I have a year's worth of food, but a lot of it's from what we produced ourselves. Not all. I do buy some stuff in bulk, but I feel like it's a, that's the difference to me anyways. Yeah, I really like that. And you actually are bringing out a whole different element than even Josh and I were bringing out. And that is the like the motivation behind why 
it's being done. And, you know, I think that prepping is really, like you said, that event. You're, th you're worried about the event when it all goes bad. Um, or maybe for some people, it might even be smaller events and not just some singular, you know, zombie apocalypse sort of a thing. But being prepared for when, you know, they have a personal crisis, whereas homesteading is more of a focus on day to day, healthy, sustainable living. And I think resiliency is the word that really stands out to Josh and I, you know, self-sufficiency is just such I. I use that word because that's the word we all identify with, right? Yeah. That's kind of the word that everybody knows. But at the same time, I always kind of cringe a little bit on the inside when I use that word because we're not, we don't really want to be self-sufficient. If I'm the only person I'm dependent on, then that takes one person to fail before I'm out of luck. <laughs> you know, that's me. That's yeah. the day I get sick or I break a leg or something. We, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for really community sufficiency, but also resiliency. This is where, you know, you can take that hit and keep on ticking, right? And um, because you're positioned well, you're positioned in a way that says, yeah, this can go wrong and I can bounce back because I have the systems in place, the knowledge, the skills, um, you know, the supplies, maybe even the prepper type supplies, all that allow me to keep moving forward and to keep living day to day in a sustainable, resilient manner. Um, and so I think for me, that's a really big part of it. But um, but yeah, so I think Mrs. Jennings music class. Yes, I think you were right. All home, most homesteaders are preppers. I'll say it that way. But yeah. definitely not all preppers are homesteaders. <laughs> so good. OK, so we're going to dive into the main topic today, and that is late winter gardening prep. What are you doing now? Now, some of you guys live in a place where you're gardening, like you're in your main season right now and you've got tomatoes in the ground and that's great. But if you're like some of us who live in the northern tier of the country and you're just kind of waiting for the ground to reappear, then um, then you still have things to be doing this time of year. There is action to be taking and Melissa and I both live in similar climates, although I am definitely colder and mm -hmm. I get more weather and my winter lasts, I think we figured what, about two weeks longer than yours? Yeah. Um, two to four weeks longer than yours. Yeah. So Melissa's slightly ahead of me in as far as garden starts and all of those. When do you usually plant? What's your, your last frost date? usually our last frost date's right around the end of April. And so depending on, it's really funny here, it's, there's definitely your last frost date. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes we won't have any more frosts, but we're hovering at like 36 degrees and rain for a, two weeks on end. So even though it's been two weeks since the last frost date, the ground is not warm enough yet to put warm weather crops in. So depending on what the weather looks like at that from our last frost date, we're planting anywhere the warm weather crops. Uh, Mother's Day, sometimes not until Memorial Weekend, if it's just that real cold still, but we haven't had frost and the ground's just too cold for germination of the warm weather crops. But like the colder weather crops, of course, I'm able to put out and some of them I can even sow earlier. Um, so right now, I actually have my seed containers behind me. I know the light's coming through the window awkwardly, so it might be hard to tell that. Um, but I am just getting ready to start sewing. And speaking of experiments, 
this year with onions, um, I'm getting ready to start sowing my onion seeds uh, indoors. But I'm also doing an experiment because some things I've noticed, I don't, if you have, I'm sure you've experienced this too, Carolyn, you can do the seed starting and you do all the things right. And we harden them off, et cetera, get them planted out on the ground. But it feels like there's a week or two that they kind of just stay in dormancy from going from outdoors or indoors, excuse me, to outdoors, even if we've done all of the hardening off correctly. And I feel like if you can plant something outside, then it gets that you might plant it a couple of weeks later, but they end up really coming to harvest and being the same size down the road because you don't have that like hibernation period or where it's almost like a little bit in shock and it's just not doing anything for a week or two. So I'm going to test with our onions this year, kind of doing that where you put them out a little bit early, the seeds and just seeing if they will sprout and at actual harvest time, are the bulbs noticeably smaller are they about the same size? Is my germination rate equal? I'm not willing to to bet the whole crop on it, but <laughs> I'm going to start some like normal indoors this year, but I'm also going to try just direct seeding out there a couple of weeks before the first frost, or excuse me, the last frost um, and seeing what happens and just really seeing like yield size. Because if it's only like if I didn't have to seed start them indoors and I'm not noticing much difference in bulb size, like when at actual harvest, then I'll switch and do them all that way. But I'm not willing to gamble the entire crop quite yet. Yeah. Well, that's true because you could just plant them a little tighter and give up a little bit of the size and call, well, we have a couple extra onions for, you know, for the tighter planting, if that were to work. I think those things are so valuable because you just don't know what you can do until you start experimenting with them. And what I have learned is the, the seed packets and the standard information is just that. It is standard information and it is in no way tailored to your homestead or your garden. And so to know what you can do on your garden, you got to just do it and you got to try it and see what can, what works for you. You know, there might be one person who says, I'm not willing to give up the size of the onions. I want really big. Some people really get into getting the biggest onions they can get and they really like that. And that kind of does it for them. Um, and other people are like, what to not deal with all those trays inside, you bet I'll give up the size of the onions. And I tend to be on that practical side of like, I'll plant double the onions if it means I don't have to, you know, take a whole additional step. So yeah. I want to come back to that. And I want to have you share some of your top onion planting tips with us because, um, I have planted onions from seed once. I think last year might have been the first year I've done leeks. I've done all sorts of other, you know, definitely, well, garlic's not from seed, but I've done all sorts of, I've done um, uh, bunching onions from seed, but I really haven't spent a lot of time doing bulbing onions from seed. I'm usually buying sets. Mm -hmm. And so you really have to start them actually quite a bit earlier than you would anything else. So since that is something that is really pertinent to this time time of year. Would you just walk us through your process through starting onions from seed? Yeah. So you're right. Onions, I think, have the longest runway. Have to be you have to seed start them the earliest, I should say, of anything. And oftentimes you'll see uh, like 10 to 12 weeks is often what you'll see start your onion seeds 10 to 12 weeks before your last frost date. However, I have found I need to go longer than that if I want them to be about the same bulb size as the bulb sets that you get, mm -hmm. if I want them to be equivalent. Um, because otherwise, 
the they haven't really started to form enough of a mini bulb yet if for me anyhow if i only go 10 or 12 weeks so i actually do about 16 weeks which is why i'm starting mine right now and i won't be planting them out until sometime in april um so i found just starting them earlier because you will end up trimming the tops of them off anyway. So it's not like I'm really worried about them outgrowing their container. Like I would be a tomato, definitely a tomato. They have such a bigger root system or a pepper plant or a squash plant. If I were to start it way too soon, you actually will run into issues, but not really with the onions, at least not in my experience. Um, the other thing that I, with onion seeds is I am huge. Like I've planted seeds that were five. I'm not even kidding you. Like eight years old sometimes on bean seed. Like I'm like, let I got the seed. Let's see what happens. And I may not have a hundred percent or even ninety percent germination rate when they're that old, but I do get a good over fifty percent germination rate on seeds that old. But that's not the case with onions. Like onion seed, I think is one of the most finicky on age, even if you've stored them where it's dry and where it's cool and in the dark and all of our, you know, standard seed saving um, storage, or I should say seed storage things. So if they're more than a year old, especially if they're like two years old, the germination rate is just horrible. Um, so really that fresh onion seed is key. Um, I've done the pelleted seeds where they come in little petal pellets, like little tiny, almost look like little BBs. <laughs> I've done those and I've done just direct, like where it's just a little tiny seed and the pelleted ones are a little bit larger. So it is a little bit easier to place them and you do less thinning, but I don't really mind. Thinning doesn't, isn't something that really bothers me. Um, I think it's just like personal preference. So I don't really care if they're pelleted versus non, as long as they're the varieties that I want. Um, is key for me. And I like those long storage, long day onions uh, living in the Northern, um, you know, Patterson, Copra. Um, I'm actually trying, and this is where we were talking, you were talking earlier, Carolyn, about you, it's your, your garden in your area, and you can only go the generalities on seed packets. And then you have to figure out what works for your area. I am really excited because there is a farm, an heirloom organic farm that is only an hour away from me. And it's a new variety of storage onion, but she's had super good success with it. And because our climates are so similar, um, I ordered some from her. I'm just waiting for them to get here so I could get them seed started. But I'm really excited to see even within that by using a seed that's been seed saved in a very similar, almost identical climate to mine will it grow for me faster? You know, all of those different factors. So I'm even testing that. This is like my onion testing year. So this is really funny <laughs> that, that we're having our pantry chat um, on that. So anyways, making sure that your onion seeds are fresh, that you're starting early enough and then make like sometimes just onion seeds, even if it's brand new seed, I don't have as high of germination rate personally as I do. Like most other seeds, I'll have almost 100% germination rate, like really good germination rate. Um, I've noticed that the onion seeds, for me anyways, tend to take a little bit longer and I might not have quite as good of germination rate. So either knowing that and making sure again, that time frame that I've got a couple extra weeks if I need to replant, if I didn't get enough germinated to hit what I want, or just over seed starting and then just thinning out or getting rid of I have too many. That that really is the key for me. Um, and then also making sure that the that the container they're in is deep enough because they're going to stay in there for 16 weeks and they don't have an expansive root system on them and they're going to grow the greens more at first anyways. And then once they're like six to 
eight inches tall, you want to trim them, you give them a little haircut. You just take scissors and go right over and just keep the greens right at about the four inch mark. And then once they grow that tall again, you just cut them down again. Um, but just making sure that I've got a container, because if you try using like an egg carton or something with this really shallow seed starting um, it's not going to work because they have to stay in there so long. And I don't want to deal with transferring my onion seeds from a little itty bitty pellet, you know, like yeah. egg carton, then into something else. And then outdoors later, I just want to seed start them in the size of container they're going to stay in until I plant them outdoors. So I think this is a really good thing to pull out here is that we've got a lot of really, really beginning gardeners that are watching the pantry chat this year. And they keep kind of letting, letting us know that they're there and to slow down a little bit. So some seeds we start in like individual little, those cute little, what do you call those? Like sectioned off planters. You yeah. Know, they have a name and I'm not. Little individual sure cells. Yeah, like six cells or yeah. cells, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, when you're starting onions from seed, it's one of these things you can like dump them all into one thing because <laughs> you're going to pull them all out. Anyways, you're going to kind of prick them out and get them out of their soil a little bit. So it's not transplanting in the same way that you would transplant a tomato. It's more like pulling them out of the dirt and getting them into the soil. So because of that, you can overseed them in like, I mean, mm -hmm. think a cake pan type of a thing, right? Do you do you use anything special for it or like? <laughs> you want to know my special? Okay, this is so funny because you mentioned like, I'm just going to buy the lettuce because I can't get enough sprouts for us. So if you do buy lettuce in like the <laughs> clamshell containers, I know it's plastic and not the greatest thing in the world, but I'm just saying yep. those work phenomenally well because they're, they're kind of shallow, but they're deep enough and you can just fill your sucker with potting soil put your seeds in, get your soil moist and wet. We needed, you know, a, a moist area for it to germinate. But the great thing is then you just shut the lid and it <laughs> creates that germ that greenhouse effect. So it's not drying out. It keeps it, you know, moist and warm in there. I just pop set mine by our fireplace. That's the warmest spot. They don't need light yet until they've germinated and actually started to grow. They need heat. They, they don't need a grow light, I should say. I'm not going to put them in a dark closet. Um, and then once they all start to actually sprout, then you just have to open the top of that of it up and then transfer them to your grow light. Um, I love, in fact, I don't buy lettuce that often from the store. Hallelujah. But I just keep those containers and I reuse them every year. And that's how I seed start. A good majority of my seeds actually are in those containers. That, that is great. So see, now I don't feel bad about going to the store and buying a little bit of lettuce. I'm like, no, I'm getting supplies. I'm not getting lettuce. I'm getting supplies. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that's really good. And I think it's, it's, um, it's actually really handy because those cells are a pain and they are small and you do have to pot up half of the time, um, you know, to go up to the next size. So they have fresh soil. And uh, Josh would remind me, I almost said dirt. It's not dirt. Dirt is dead. So <laughs> I'm being the voice of Josh here in the background. Um, so the other thing with onions, as you're picking out the seeds and you touched on this for a second, but I want to dive into it just a second um, is that, there are different types of onions when you're talking about bulbing onions. And especially if you want to get good storage onions that are going to last in your pantry for a while, you need to be aware of your area of the country and what kind of onion you need. And it's dependent on the length of day. So we have long day, short day and day neutral onions. And, um, and you just, 
do a Google search and you'll know really quickly what you should be planting in your area, but make sure you're planting the right thing for your area. Otherwise you're gonna have a terrible time trying to grow them and get them to bulb up nice and big. Yeah, great tip. And not to throw any more in there of things to keep track of, but like you're saying exactly 100% on the neutral short and long, but then making sure that you're picking if storage is what you're after, that you're at least growing some of varieties that are good long-term storage varieties within your, your day length too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we found, we also do the Copra. We do a lot of those, but we've started experimenting with some of the others because we like the blush onions and we like the red and we like the white, um, but none of them last quite as long as the Copra. So just now, I mean, I still have bushels of onions left this year, which, you know, half a year still till onion harvest, but my white onions were just not going to make it much longer. So I've been doing freeze dryer loads of chopped onion. And let me tell you, if you need something to do with onions, freeze dried onions are the easiest, that they are the best quick tip in the kitchen to be able to like reach your hand in a jar and throw some onions into a pan to get your dinner started. That's a great way to go. It really gets you cooking fast. I feel <laughs> no more cutting the onions before you start on dinner. So, um, so yeah, do you have any, this has kind of become the, the onion episode, which is awesome because I am going to do a better job growing onions this year. So I'm going to take all of your tips and like use those in the garden. And I think the 16 week is a big deal. So I got to check my dates, but I'm guessing if you're starting now, then I should be starting in the next couple of weeks. Um, because that definitely last year when I did them, I, I think I started them closer to 12 weeks before the last frost date. Mm -hmm. But then we also purchased sets and did those kind of like you. I'm not willing to gamble on my food supply. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, so I grew beautiful onions, but they were a quarter the size bulbing mm -hmm. than the uh, than the set onions that we started with. So I'm thinking that it's just starting it a little bit earlier is what's really going to help me get my seeded onions up to par. And see, this is so important because until you can grow onions from seed, you're not seed saving your own onion seeds. And so that's my next step. So I'm really excited. I've got to get the growing them from seed down first. And then the next thing is to start saving my own onion seeds. So that's going to be really fun yes. and a natural next step. But do you have any additional tips on onion growing? I think for the onion growing, at least for me, um, has really been, they're a root vegetable, obviously. Let's speak the obvious, <laughs> Melissa. But <laughs> what I was going with that is typically we think of like the brassicas and the leafies and even the tomatoes to a degree needing a lot of nitrogen and a really, really fertile soil. And then when we come to our root crops, we know that they don't need as much nitrogen as those other crops. But that being said, I have started using an Alaska fish emulsion, which is a concentrate, mm -hmm. and watering just in the first probably like eight weeks from planting time, uh, maybe just six weeks, but giving them that extra nutritional boost and watering them with that. And then as they start to bulb where I want them to put less energy into the green and, and really developing that bulb, and as they get closer to harvest time, then I back off and, and I don't need to do it as much. But I have noticed that in the years when I'm actually doing that, because sometimes they get in the ground and then I just 
don't get to it. It <laughs> does seem to make a difference on the bulb size. I do get bigger bulbs. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do like like I want to get as big as bulbs as possible, you know, when when I have them in the ground, even though if I can if they're just slightly smaller by not having a seed starter, I'm willing to do that. But once they're in the ground, you don't want to give them their best start. So really that and then as we approach harvest time, um, if I can remember to get out there and any that haven't bent over yet to bend those stalks over a couple of weeks before pulling so that it can, you know, signal, signal to the plant, Hey, you know, you're going to be pulling up and then it'll put its energy into the last bit of bulbing and then pulling them. And I think you asked for one good night. I'm not good at being short and concise, just so you know, no, I, I want all of your tips. So go for it. <laughs> and the other thing is, um, is even though we want to seed save, which I love, I'm a huge proponent of seed saving, but our onions are our biennial. And so if an onion starts to blossom, we really don't want its first year. We don't really want to allow it to blossom or seed save from that blossom because it's bolted too early. And we want to seed save from the plants that are going to put their production into creating a really good bulb. They shouldn't be blossoming and producing seed until the second year. And it's kind of funny with biennials because I didn't know that when I first started gardening. I had no idea. Like, how do they save beet seed? Because mine don't ever blossom the first year. Like, how do you get these little seeds? I didn't know. So anyways, with your onions, sometimes you will get some that will want to send up a blossom that first year. And so you can chop that off or cut it off and chop it up and use it like you would a green onion. That's fine. But if you don't get to them all and one of those actually forms a flower and then it goes to form the seed, you really, even though it is onion seed, yes, you really don't want to use that because then you're just perpetuating a crop that's constantly going to bolt earlier and earlier and earlier and you're not going to get as good of bulb. And I didn't know that when I first started. I'm like, hey, here's my onion seed. Like, look at that. And then I realized that really actually wasn't what I was after. So well, I think that's such an important tip because those um, onions that that flower early, they don't store. Mm-mm. So if you have that happen, pull them out. Like, yeah, you can t- cut those greens off, but pull out those onions and use them right away. Don't try to mix them into your storage onions because they don't store. So the last thing you want to do is to create a crop by saving those genetics of onions that don't store when you're trying to get storage onions that are going to get you through the winter. So I think that's super, super valuable. And hey, I know Melissa has a great video out on YouTube about curing onions and about growing onions. So um, we will drop that link somewhere. It'll be in an end card or a description. One of those spots. We'll stick it somewhere. Um, So you can check that out if you want to know more about it, because curing onions is equally as important as growing them when it comes to saving the onions and having them store for the entire uh, season for all winter. So you can still be eating onions in the spring when you're waiting for your onions to grow again. That's really important. We want to get through that starvation period of early spring when food is scarce. So um, Melissa, thank you fun discussion. It kind of took its own life and went totally into onions. And I'm super thrilled about that. So thank you. That was really fun. Hey, you guys, if you want to check out more from Melissa, you really should. She's got great stuff. I think she's a wonderful person. I think she's a fabulous individual. (laughs) And I know you will too. So check out her YouTube channel, but also um, her podcast is amazing. And that is Pioneering Today. And you can also find her (laughs) at uh, Melissa 
for her blog, got amazing stuff. Um, and if you are interested in learning more about garden planning, check out this video that Josh and I did just recently about planning your garden. If you haven't done it yet, you need to do it right now. Seriously, right now you're late. Get on it. Thank you guys for hanging out. And thanks, Melissa. <laughs> uh, thank you. And she did so good. She asked me beforehand, we started recording. She's like, what's the name? How do I, how do I introduce you again? Cause we just like to start yakking away to each other. I mean, I'm, so you did so good. You got it Aww, right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.